высоко-высоко на орбите Земли парила мертвая собака в космической капсуле. Ее звали Лайка. И когда-то она жила на московских улицах. And they really like just randomly told us, yeah, you have to go in the north, in this industrial region. And we went there, but there were no dogs. In every direction of the city, I think we, we've been, in, especially in the outskirts, to search for the dogs. And of course, we know like the edges where the city is more dirty, of course, and falling apart. Because in these areas where the city is more destroyed and open, this is really the space, the soil for the dogs. Actually, it was interesting when we arrived in Moscow, everyone told us, you come too late, the dogs are not here anymore. Uh, you should have come one month ago or two years ago or five years ago. There was the whole city was full. And of course, we've seen images, especially from dog activists who helped us a lot to take care of stray dogs in Moscow and save them if they are in trouble. They told us that uh, it was really full and they showed us videos where the same area, especially where we were shooting, it were like, not five dogs, not 15 dogs like now maybe in this area. There were 50 or mm -hmm. 80 dogs mm -hmm. in this place at the railroads, for example. We've seen images, it was full of dogs, really full. And now with the current governmental decisions, it's they want to get the city clean and proper and organized. So they really try to catch the dogs and put them into the cages like you see in the film. So there are these huge shelters in industry areas, really far away from the humans. They're locked away. Of course, there are still dogs. <laughs> we found them. But in the first moment, we thought, okay, fuck, we were wrong, we're too yeah, late. It was really frustrating the first weeks because we came, the idea was there. We were like ready to go and, and, and ready to start. But the dogs were missing. It really took a long time to find the pack. We asked a lot of railroad workers, people working in the street somehow, homeless persons, and they always told us, yeah, yesterday there have been uh, dogs. I've seen a pack, they had a huge fight, it was amazing. This night at one o'clock, they're always gathering in this spot. And of course we waited and come again and come again. Yeah. But in one moment we understood how the city is working and where we can find them. And then we had the clue, I think if we go now to Moscow, We see car washing thing and the industrial area. We have a nose for it now. Really the initial idea was uh, first to make a film about a pack of stray dogs and there was no Laika yet in the story. Already in this idea we thought we want to make a film. My parents were dog breeders. And so as a child I always had the sensation of being small and looking into their eyes. And there I learned their language, understood to communicate with them. And this was for me as my first directing work. I wanted to put this 
childhood image somehow on the cinema screen with cinematic language to really have an encounter where we, like in the contrary to Disney and other films who are like putting a role on the animal and then presenting it to us. We wanted to create something where we let the spectator really read in them. And that's why it was very clear from the beginning that we want to have a very high-class look and that we want to put them in the place where we are used to see humans as actors. So we want to make them stars <laughs> somehow. From the first moment on we knew in the cinema when the film is starting we want this whole environment and emotion that you are already in the pack. So this is what you see in the film and it was our decision to tell the film this way. But of course, we started in winter to shoot with them. We came again in spring and again in summer. And what you see in the film is actually just the last four weeks because it was also technically such a hard work. We had to train so much. And Roy Imer, the DOP, it was tough for him to be able to hold the camera for hours on this eye level and to be able to move for long, long shots and to understand their movement and their rhythm. We tried also different systems, like technically, but we need to be very, very quick. And this was the main thing. I mean, sometimes the dogs sleep for three hours, and we were sitting and watching them and just waiting for them to wake up and do something. Mm. And then also we took a break for three hours, and the whole team was sitting on the ground next to the dogs. But then from one moment, they are running and going into the night and biting into cars, so we had to be always ready. It was all a balance to find the right camera system and Roy really invented a system with some technicians together to be able to follow them. And then not run for 10 minutes, it was running for two hours. One of our main duties there was in these moments of nothing is happening even for days, always to stay like confident enough for the two of us and for the team and to say it's gonna be a long film. But in the last days they started to wait for us and then like really waiting for maybe for us to guide them. And then we realized, no, this is... It's over. It's over. Yeah, yeah it was really, we often arrived at 2 a.m. and start our shooting this night because that was their time. So this was always exciting, but in the last days they were standing there and waiting for us to come. Sometimes I felt a bit like they know that they're acting in the movie. Yeah. Laika была первым живым существом, запущенным в космос. We wanted to have a sound perspective of these dogs. And for the camera, we had to invent something. We could not ask for usual techniques how to film down there. And for the sound, it was the same. We also had to invent how to be able to collect these very tiny sounds the dogs are making, the footsteps in this very noisy city. Moscow is really a very immensely loud city. And so this was clear we wanted to have this sensation because sounds for the dogs is a very important thing in the world to orientate, to check out what's going on everywhere. A lot of the sound you hear in the current layer of the pack is on recording, but from each dog we made Foley recordings there for footsteps on different patterns with every dog, because every dog foot has a different sound.
the archive was silent. There was really no sound at all. And so Jonathan Shaw had really to start from nothing. And together with him, we were thinking a lot like how to structure this because everything was possible. And we like a lot sci-fi movie. I think it's from the 70s, Andromeda's Drain. And there we were so amazed by how they created the sound of the rooms. Also when there's nearly no voice or no movement, but there is this certain atmosphere they created. And so Jonathan started to collect a lot of noises that rooms can make. And uh, he started from them, then he started to put like what you see. And then he also created a lot that could possibly happen off screen. There is maybe someone walking in the next room or maybe there's a door closing. And then it became richer and richer. We also wanted to disturb a bit the perception of the sound in the archive and to irritate a bit, to make it like obvious that this is a collage. Basically, it's a film where the spoken word is not the point. And so we also recognize it's so important to add to the editing, also the soundscapes. They have a, such an important dramaturgic function for the rhythm of the film. We really wanted to um, carry the spectator with the sound through the film. And for the editing processes, we really focused just on the pack of dogs and observation. And there we are really thankful to Jan Zardat because he really pushed us there also. We wanted to create a film when you come out of the cinema that you think of these animals differently. It's not just about dogs for us, it's about all these species. Yeah, I mean, when the editing became like more processed and we knew how to structure the film, we also decided that we want like the beginning of the film should be very rich in story and colors and experience in space and then coming to Moscow streets. But we always wanted to let the film, with every ongoing minute, like more free, much more dedicated to the dogs, to their movements, to their behavior and uh, their language. The other thing we knew back then was then that in the end there must be a turning point again, a very important one, and not to leave the spectator just in the comfort zone of this like dog movements and dog life. We always wanted to make one last shift to bring it into more sci-fi direction. And this is why we placed the story of the turtles in this moment. And that's why we wanted to land on a different planet <laughs> yeah. for the end of the film, because we thought what we learned during the making of the film is to perceive the world very different. And this was exciting. It was just a lot of fun to see our world in a different way because we felt a bit on like aliens on our planet. Mm.